You're listening to Untitled Sessions, episode six. I could have been wrapping this up probably by now if I hadn't been obsessing over the audio quality of the recording. You see, the quality of this program has always mattered to me very, very much. So I spent the past 45 minutes, maybe hour, rearranging my microphone into different places in the room to see what would absorb the most echo. So, you know, the sacrifices I make for this program, I don't even talk about all of them. This is just one of them, but they're through the roof. So I hope you appreciate it. Okay. So speaking of appreciation this week, we are going to do more fan corner. Um, not yet. I want to get through a couple things, but fan corner we're going to do, and this time we're going to take more than one submission because I just can't handle the volume of submissions that have been coming in. It's, it's too much. It's a great flood that I, I, I didn't prepare for. So we're going to take two, maybe three submissions today. And if you don't hear yourself on Fan Corner this week, please stop crying. I can hear you from here. I need you to relax. You'll be next week. Or maybe you won't. Who knows? You want to know something? Since episode three, management has been trying to get me to do a paywall service for the podcast episode. So they want me to put this on like Patreon, Patreon, whatever, and have you guys spend $5 a month to access this, which would also mean that I have to put out the episodes at a regular schedule. And there has to be all this, you know, these, these deadlines and, and, and headaches and hassles behind it, which the whole thing free as it is, is already a headache and a hassle. So how could you ask me to, what, what would you, what would you have me do beyond what I've already done to make it worse? You would think that it would be incomprehensible. There's no way it could be worse for me. I'm in a terrible situation, but management thinks that in order for them to get paid, it's important that there be some sort of, you know, premium component to what we're doing here. I didn't agree. I, I tried to stand my ground on that. I was beaten senseless, and that was kind of why we had to take up a sponsor. So Incredidudes. Now here's the thing. Let me tell you what happened with Incredidudes after that episode aired. You know PayPal? Do you know their policy about payments? Well, their payment to me got reneged. They claimed it as being false because they said the services that were agreed upon were not delivered. Now, I disagree. So I naturally went to PayPal. I, I opened a case and I said they can't renege the payment because I perform the services. And I, I linked them to the read. I, I, I showed them that obviously I was worth, you know, it was the airtime was at least worth $10. And so, you know, I was expecting like a pretty peaceful resolution that would end in me having $10. Um, but it did not because... The PayPal, they listened to it and they said that they didn't like it. They said that, that it wasn't an effective advertisement. And they asked me to post but like proof attribution that says that people purchased Incredidudes. You, the listeners, purchased Incredidudes as a result of my product placement. Now, I've worked in, in programmatic advertising. This is like what I do. You know, attribution, analytics. This is totally my wheelhouse. So I said, oh, okay. 
you know, let's just go get the, so I, I knew exactly what to ask for from Incredit Dudes. And I said, look, uh, go to your website, go to your inbound traffic and just, you know, find out how many came from our podcast link. And um, they gave me the stats. And you guys bought, you guys bought, uh, the stats say you guys bought zero pairs of Incredit Dudes overwear diapers for men. Why would you listen to a podcast where somebody gives you advice about what to do in life because you want to emulate them and then you you go ahead and you don't buy the product that I explicitly tell you is important to support for the podcast. Now look, you're going to say okay, well, there was the whole uh, a conflict product controversy. You know what? I regret saying that. I regret even telling you about those emaciated sheep. It doesn't matter. It doesn't it has nothing to do with the quality of the product. If anything, it made it better. So you could have just, you could have purchased Incredidudes, enjoyed them as a product. And like you do with, with Nike or Adidas or anything with a, a, a Chinese factory involved, turned a blind eye to the labor practices of what's involved to produce this product for you. You could have done it like you do every single day with those things, but no, you chose Ryan Untitled Sessions to bankrupt today by not supporting the advertiser. So I'm out of I'm out of so much money because of your bad decision making. Your bad financial decisions really are what is contributing to my financial woe. Okay? I'm just asking if for our next sponsor, which we do have a sponsor for this episode, nine credit dudes, but a different one. And they have not paid me. Payment is contingent on the advertisement being effective. Okay. All I ask is that you support our next advertiser. Okay. It's a different demographic. It's not just for men. I understand. I looked at our analytics. Men and women enjoy the program of all ages. Of course, it's a worldly program. That's why I made it, is to expand your worldview. But look, we're going to get to the advertiser. Our new advertiser, which we cannot fuck up, explores the whimsicality of being a child, which is what this podcast is all about. Our latest advertiser is, hey, stupid. It is a child's toy. It is a glove that they can put over their own hand. It's a fist. And in there, there's a button. You press the button and there's an extendable middle finger. So you can say to your friends, given that you're a child, hey, stupid. And you, you flip them the big bird. It's effectively like Hulk hands, but they're not green. They're, they come in all different skin tones. And also you can, you know, make motions towards other children that piss them off. So, hey, stupid is the advertiser for Untitled Sessions, episode six. I really, really, and I mean really, would love it if you could show some support and purchase the Hey, Stupid on Amazon right now. Right now. Just pause the episode because I, if this, if this doesn't work out, I don't think you guys understand. I'm not being dramatic. It's over. It's fucking over if you don't start to support our advertisers. Okay? I'm doing everything I can from here, and you're doing nothing from over there. So don't just listen. Act. Use your fingers. Use Siri if you want to use Siri. Say, hey Siri, go purchase Hey Stupid on Amazon. Hello. 
This product cannot be purchased. Uh -huh. It has been removed due to harmful chemical Ch endangerment of children. Um, this is news to me. I will try to work this out with the advertiser, but I think you could still add it to your wish list on Amazon. So if you could just do that and wait until I give the signal. I'll let you know when the chemical problem is resolved and then you can go buy it for you or for your child or anyone that you want to see have a great time with a smile on their face. I am starting to think, however, that we need to be maybe exploring new avenues for generating revenue from the podcast. It doesn't appear like we are getting the best crop of advertisers. And that's not my fault. That's not really management's fault. Again, I think it's more your fault because you're not supporting us enough by telling your friends about the show and getting them to listen, which would improve our viewership, which would mean that we could get better ad advertising placements. So if you're looking for someone to blame for this chemical disaster, it's you. I mean, I don't even, how do you even do that? What's, it's like, it's like plastic. It's a plastic product. Like, okay. You know, people like think about the things that they would invent, you know, if they had a lot of money to pay for manufacturing and branding and marketing and just like, Hey, if I had, you know, a million, million dollars, like this is the this is like the risky kind of company I would, you know, I would make this toy, I would make this app, I would make this device. Like, I'm not, I don't really think about that stuff a lot, but I do have one thing in mind that it would be a very interesting thing to do. So like, give me a billion dollars. And I think what I would eventually do with it is I, I, I would like convert, um, you know, like a city into what I like to call bounce town. So this is just a mental work in progress. Um, I haven't laid any foundation on it and I don't have a billion dollars just yet, but once I have the money secured, I'm thinking that you could just, I'm going to pick out just like a part of, of town that has residential buildings is nice and congested and, you know, places to go. It's very walkable and essentially make it bounceable instead. So I would like to add padding to the sidewalks and, and, and the floors of buildings, um, in a city. And again, establish that city as being a bounce town and bounce town, I think would have, you know, so many benefits really to tourism in the surrounding area. I mean, there's really nothing, there's nothing written that would say that bounce town wouldn't even perhaps lead to kind of like a Manhattan, New York city esque boom for the state in which people are bouncing. You know, I think about like what it what what is it about towns that like really brings up the quality of life in in the area around it. You know, it's usually like universities, it's 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 schools, it's churches, um, you know, businesses, large business headquarters, that sort of thing. But I do feel as if like a bouncy surface on 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 the floors and the sidewalks would probably be more attractive to people than I think we currently understand. I mean, you can't really discount the power of bouncing. 
people get bouncy castles for their little shithead children when they turn like 12 and the kids bounce up and down in them, you know, all day or until one of them breaks their neck. But in this scenario of bounce town, I don't think anyone would really, you know, break their neck because obviously everybody's wearing padding and protection. It's, I think that there would be a hierarchy, you know, there's gotta be like a skill threshold. So, you know, it's like skating, right? If you get above a certain threshold, you can bounce without restriction. And, you know, I would just, I would also be interested to know about the health benefits of bouncing all the time rather than walking. You know, I mean, there's all this research that shows that standing instead of sitting when you're doing desk work is really beneficial to your your feet and your joints. And there's a lot of research that suggests that people should not just take time off of, of sitting at their desk, but but straight up stand at their desk and do work if, if they can, you know, buy a riser or a standing desk, an adjustable desk. Um, I was looking into one of those actually, but they're fairly expensive. So, but yeah, I think, um, just on the subject of, of bouncing instead of standing, you know, you can stand and you can bounce, but I think to choose a state that's better to be in, most people would probably choose bouncing. So, you know, I want you to picture it for a moment, close your fucking eyes and picture legions of people from all races, demographics, backgrounds, ages, bouncing up and down the sidewalk. You see someone, oh, howdy neighbor. And you're bouncing so high, you're, you're like three feet above the ground. Howdy neighbor. You see the neighbor's cat and they're, you know, tiptoeing around. The, the cat is, um, well, it hasn't, it actually, the cats, it depends on what stage we're talking about with Bounce Town. I feel like if this was like year one, the cats would not be evolved enough where they would be used to, to the surface. Um, there would probably be a lot of unfortunate circumstances to do with the cats and the dogs and any kind of various animals that might be housed in Bounce Town. But I think after enough time, the cats would probably develop some sort of um, like suction on their paws that would allow them to stick to the surfaces or even possibly some sort of like repellent where, you know, they figure out that if they bounce, they can build a momentum and get to their, um, their prey faster. Cause that's like how evolution works. Right. So the ones that develop this, this, this sort of, um, accessory to their paws end up reproducing and getting more food and really becoming like a native species to bounce town, which again, stock is going up. I feel like I, I could get a pretty good ROI on this after like 50 years but we would really need to make sure that the cats are like producing at light speed. I mean, you know, we already have a phrase about cats and and, and reproduction, but I, I think that we would repurpose that one phrase and we would say instead, um, they're fucking like cats in bounce town, right? Because then again, we have another cultural export, which is you add the phrase in bounce town to something. And then people from around the world go, well, what is bounce town? And they see, oh, it's this, two acre plot of land in which everything is, is bouncy. You can, you can bounce all over the place and you would have like Saudi Arabian investment and in, from like, you know, uh, Abu Dhabi would come in and just want to put another Billy on it, which I wouldn't even accept because really I just wanted this to be like a charitable situation where I could also foster a new ecosystem with my billions. Um, and really I'm not even asking for much. Like I, would probably say like what I would want in the city just to recognize like the fact that exists solely because of me is um, a statue, 20 feet tall, shaped after Michelangelo's David. But 
and get this made out of rubber. So, you know, because, you know, I don't want to detract from the aesthetic of the city, which is awesome. I mean, it's all these fun colors when you really think about like what you can do with elastic material, bouncy material. Have you ever seen anything that's elastic and bouncy and had it be just like straight up like gray or any kind of like grayscale tones? No, not really. Right. It's always fun and colorful and, 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 um, prideful, which is another thing. I think the demographic would also be very diverse because we're using diverse colors. So you, you saw, um, there's a street, I think in Seattle, I think it's like pride street and they have a walkway from one street to the other that's paint. It's, they have like rainbow bricks. And before they actually had that walkway, gay people didn't know about Seattle. And then they saw the walkway and it became a really, you know, it became a very accepting town. So I'm just saying, first of all, gay people are very good at industrializing. Um, there's another G word we could use, not gay. There's another G word for it's, it ends with entrifying. I don't want to say what it is, but they tend to be very good at that, which entrification is a hot button issue that I won't be addressing on bounce town matters. But in general, I like how much they like frozen yogurt and they tend to put it a lot of places. That's pretty cool. So, you know, we have our diversity. We have, uh, it's very ergonomic. I'm imagining to live in bounce town. And I think that, you know, just on the subject of evolution, if bounce town was to stand for thousands of years, I think you would actually see children that were born with features that lend itself better to bouncing. And this is great too, because it creates sort of a, um, kind of a community where it's a little bit hard to escape. So because children that are born with these um, like stretchy elastic limbs that are suited for bouncing, getting them some nice sick air, uh, once they get on concrete or any other forms of land, they will basically turn to jelly. Their legs won't work anymore. They, they, they will effectively be handicapped from um, the circumstances of everywhere else in the world besides Bounce Town. And um, I think that's kind of beautiful. I think that's kind of beautiful. And I think that the Billy's coming soon and you're going to see some groundwork laid. So if any of you are like land surveyors or, 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 um, urban planners, and you want to give me some advice on where exactly I should be launching bounce town, I would, I would love to hear from you. I cannot pay a consultant. I can't give you anything for it, but when I get my billions, maybe you get a placard in the city, which would be great. I'm sure you and your family would love it. So move to Bounce Town, coming soon. And, you know, don't expect me as a billionaire to be like doing any like charitable things because I don't, I don't really understand like why, like if I have a billion dollars, like why would I go give away that? Like you realize what a billion dollars is, right? It's Bounce Town. It's like own a humongous or important thing. Like you look at, um, Cause I think I would be like the first like ethical billionaire. Like we talk about, you know, we talk about how billionaires is no such thing as an ethical billionaire because having a billion dollars means that you got it off the backs, the labor of other people. So there's absolutely no way right now. I, 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 um, as a soon to be billionaire, I have to disagree with that sentiment, but I will say that there are some real stupid ways that people have spent $44 billion, um, to be exact, such as Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter.
I used the bird app the other day and it's now they replaced the, the tweeting icon with a photo of a dog, the doge dog, the little meme dog to be funny. Now, this must be the, the funniest joke of all time to have costed $44 billion. But I mean, I don't, I don't really understand from Elon Musk's perspective how this is, you know, what, what is the ROI on this? I'm just saying if I was Elon Musk's father, for example, um, I probably would, I would, I would, I think I, if they asked me about him, I would have a sudden bout of amnesia and forget that perhaps I do have a son, but that's not, luckily I'm not Elon Musk's father. That's not a situation that we have to consider. Um, but I will say, so charity wise, if he wants to be charitable with the rest of his money, he could throw a billion to me. We could set up bounce town. He could get, you know, a great placard in the city that says that he contributed to the, the formation of bounce town. And we can just see what would happen, you know? And then if it succeeds, you know, he'll, he can say, yeah, I was, I was that angel investor in bounce town. I made those kids legs into little loopy noodle things. That was me. I created a new breed of person with my billion dollars. But right now, all I can say is that he bought a bird app for $44 billion and made it a dog app. I don't know. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just saying I would trust me with the money rather than him or Bill Gates, who, you know, he, I don't know. He actually had a circumstance where um, he lost half of his money in his sleep. All of a sudden he blinked and it was gone and his wife had it, which again seems irresponsible. I mean, I don't know if it was intentional, but, but I would assume that some part of him is feminist enough to give one woman like, uh, $25 billion. That's pretty feminist. Jeff Bezos is also very feminist for the same reason I noticed. Mackenzie Scott is one of the richest people alive, which you wouldn't, you wouldn't just give her all that money unless you really loved her. And you know, you have to be an ally to do something big like that. So shout out to Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates supporting women in their time of need. Um, if that were me, yeah, I give, I give, you know, I would say I would give the woman a bounce town a stipend of $50 a week to, you know, improve the elasticity of their shoes so they could bounce higher than the men, which would really help. in I think, uh, making the wage gap, not so bad in bounce town, which is another reason. Again, I think we would be internationally recognized. I mean, like, I don't want to, you know, toot my own horn. I'm just saying when this happens, the world is never going to be the same. So I think that probably residents of Bounce Town would eventually identify as being differently abled from everyone else, which me, I have been trying to belong to more groups, like more communities, make more friends. And I thought one of the ways that I could probably, you know, identify with a new group of people is if I perhaps explored what it would be like to have some sort of um, physical limitation. And um, I'm going to use the term differently abled. And I, I, I hope that that's, you know, accurate and, and, and not offensive to anyone. Um, but if it is, my assistant did all the research for this. So I, I could just go and give you their address um, if, if you have a problem with what I say, because it's basically, you actually have a problem with them. So you can go and, you know, 
throw rocks at their house or something. I don't care. So, you know, I wanted to identify the struggles of the differently abled, um, even though I myself is, was fortunate enough not to have an ailment of, of this kind. Um, you know, I was just always inspired by people who didn't let their circumstance limit themselves in, in life. So in an effort to help identify with, with the gang, I did, I decided to go an entire day without using my arms. So I, I could tell you a little bit about it. So the first thing that happened was I woke up and I thought, okay, hungry. I need to get breakfast. I walked downstairs. That part was easy. Got to the kitchen and I noticed that literally all of my food was stored behind cabinets with uh, small handles. So being that I was without arms, I, I had no uh, recourse for this. I also had not prepared for this challenge because my assistant never gave me anything accessible to use or help me in any way, shape or form. So I had to figure it out on my own. So I, you know, I got in my car and I, I kind of discovered at that point that I can indeed drive and you can do this too. You can actually drive using your head and your shoulders. So if you kind of maneuver the wheel, like you sort of pinch your shoulders and you maneuver the wheel with your head and then catch it with your shoulders, you can pretty much do anything. And that was super inspiring to me to even, um, you know, be able to experience for myself. I was feeling like overwhelmed as I pulled out of the driveway. Um, you know, I hit my neighbor's mailbox, but I know that he'll forgive me because he recognizes that on that day I had a condition, something that I was dealing with. So naturally, I, I thought the best way to go get some food um, without making a uh, big deal of it was to get some uh, some fast food. So I went to a, I'm going to say unnamed fast food establishment. Um, I went through the drive-thru, still steering, with my head and my shoulders. And um, it was a little bit of a challenge to kind of like round the corner with my method. And I thought about it really. And like people that uh, really are are without arms. Usually they do have um, some like some nubs that they can use. And I didn't even leave myself the nubs. So I kind of put myself even at like a disadvantage compared to, to, to most people in this situation. So really I was doing something that was exceptionally brave and you could even argue unnecessary really in, in, in my approach. So I continued on to the window and everything was fine. They, they gave me the food. I, I got it in my mouth. It was cool. And I made my way back onto the main road and, you know, I turned in there um, and then I, I got onto the on-ramp on the highway to get home. And, you know, I was on the highway, I was trying to get into the passing lane. And um, so when you use your head to do turns, something that you don't often think about is, well, you know, where, how can I see the road? And the answer to that is, well, you can't. And this is just something that people have to go through every single day. And I'm not going to compromise just because it seems dangerous. So of course I, I, you know, I had my, my head on the wheel, not looking at the road. And so when I did go to get into the passing lane, okay, there was a car there, but he was trying to overtake me in the passing lane, which you, um, which you don't, well, so, you know, needless to say, I, 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 you know, I hit him and it wasn't a slow merge either. It was one of the faster ones that I've made. And um, yeah, I, you know, I, I mean, he was driven off the road. And by the way, this is so, I should have said this, all allegedly. This is like, maybe this happened, possibly, but I can't, 
I'm not going to say I did or didn't do this because there is, I'm being sued for this situation. But so, cause well, so he did, um, he crashed his car. It rolled a few times and you know, it did, it did, it did crush his leg. So he doesn't, he, the driver of that car actually doesn't have a way to use his legs anymore, which, okay. I already, I already sensed the judgment coming from you. I don't need it. All right. I don't need any judgment from you. You haven't earned it. So I'm just going to get ahead of it and say, in my defense, what I did was make the differently abled community a little bit bigger. I have given this man, allegedly, the ability to make a whole new group of friends with his new superpower that is the loss of, of, of his legs. So if you're thinking, oh, um, you have crippled a man and his life is forever ruined. Um, do you think that differently abled people have ruined lives? I don't. In fact, I would honestly go as far to say as I've, I've done a good thing. And I know that right now he's sitting there in that hospital bed, staring at the ceiling with a big smile on his face, thinking about how great his new life is going to be without the use of those legs. I bet he's even listening to the podcast. I wouldn't be surprised if he were a fan. I did let him know a little bit about it when I saw him. He, he, he seemed interested. So I can't wait to, to, to see what he thinks of this episode. And um, I, you know, maybe I only spent a day in the shoes of the differently abled, but I've now created a new pair of shoes for one of them to wear. So think about that. You know, it was weird too, because I could have just, you know, I could have just ordered Uber Eats, but I, I don't know why. I just wanted to, I wanted to get in the car, but yeah, that's what's been going on. Um, oh, speaking of driving, actually I, so this is interesting. So I was driving the other day and I actually, I saw, I saw a Virginia, a license plate and the plate, it was a, it was a custom plate. It said, Virginia is for lovers. But when I was reading it originally, my eyesight's not so super good. I actually thought that it said Virginia is for losers. So it wasn't until I got, you know, really on their bumper at the light that I, I, I saw the right thing. But, you know, I really don't like being corrected by, uh, by a piece of metal, actually. So I had my assistant do some research and it turns out that uh, lo- lovely, lovely Virginia actually has one of the highest rates of domestic violence. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you knew this. 31.3 of Virginia women experience intimate partner physical violence and other forms of abuse. So based on the stats, it would seem that women are often the, uh, the losers in this entanglement. So clearly the license plate was not aware of the facts. All right. So if you're thinking of honeymoon destinations, don't just cross Virginia off the list. Do better, people of Virginia. Okay, your move, guys. So I'm glad that we got that straight. Um, so if you see a plate that says Virginia is for lovers, just let them know how, you know, 30 plus uh, percent of the women over there feel. So fan corner number three. Um, I was advised by management that we should take multiple submissions this time. That way, we have multiple potential purchasers of the advertiser product. This is just me being transparent, which has gotten me 
obviously in more trouble than I deserve in the past, but I'm trying to, well, I guess I'm not changing anything about my approach, but I expect you to change your approach to my honesty, I guess is what I'm saying. You, you misinterpreted why I was sharing with you the, the thing about the sheep with Incredit Dudes. That was not so you could not buy the product. That was so you could buy the product, but consciously, you know, like thank the sheep for their sacrifice, like the same way you would like thank a troop, same exact way. But I didn't want to have to spell it out for you, but I guess I'm going to spell it out for you here. Just thank the sheep, buy the product and move on. That's what you should have done two weeks ago or however, however long it's been since the last episode. Fan Corner. Fan Corner, number three. As mentioned, I'm going to hear from more than one of you today. We're going to go over some of your normal thoughts and comments that you may have. Um, questions, even for me. If you want advice, that's literally what this is for. So I'm going to give you advice that you won't get anywhere else. So let's let's get to our first uh, participant in Fan Corner, who, by the way, don't forget, if you want to be on next week's Fan Corner, please email ryanuntitledsessions at gmail.com. I won't say it again, ever. So our first person, presumably a person, and remember, we like to obscure names around here. Uh, anonymity is very important to me. Celeborn the Wise says, Hi Ryan, long time listener, first time uh, caller. Okay, so let's just stop. We can just stop there. Um, you're not calling in, you're emailing me. I know that for some of you who don't know how to use a computer or a phone, it, it may uh, be confusing to you to, you know, be participating in mixed media, but that's what this is, is it's an email system. So congratulations, you put me in a bad mood. First time caller, who would win in a fight? Uh, Bill Clinton in his prime or George W. Bush in his prime. Okay, I, I like this because it's topical. Uh, still going. A follow-up question, which, okay, so stop for a sec. I never authorized a follow-up question. You even getting one minute of my time is me being gracious to pose one question and then before I even have the chance to speak, rudely cut me off to say, follow-up question, you can ask your follow-up next week, okay? Just keep listening and it won't be a problem because you'll, you'll get to your follow-up question. So please stop busting my balls. Follow-up question, if George and Laura teamed up against Bill and Hillary, who would win in that situation? Okay. Um, well, let's see. So let's start with the base question. We're not going to follow-ups yet. Bush, George W. Bush versus Bill Clinton. Hmm. Well, so if we're, if we're taking them at their peak, right, let's say we're comparing them at the time in which they were presidents, which of course had to have been the physical peak of both their lives. Um, Something we know about George W. Bush is that he can throw a baseball. I don't know if you've ever watched him throw first pitch at, I believe, the Astros game, but he threw a very nice pitch for a, a 75-year-old man. So George W. Bush definitely knows how to throw a ball. So if equipped with baseball gear, I would probably say that George W. Bush would win um, solely because I don't think Bill Clinton has ever thrown such a good pitch. Now, if 
they were equipped with the same thing, like they both had a katana, for example. I could see Bill, limber as he is, being able to cut George Bush from one side to another, straight in half, lengthwise, really. Um, which, just a side note, I, 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 I still, when I read cooking recipes and they say lengthwise, I don't know what that means. I have no idea what that's crosswise, lengthwise. This is all mumbo jumbo. This it's that is clearly meant to irritate me. So I'm just, I don't cook that much. And it's mostly because of the lack of quality, the lack of literacy behind the recipes pisses me off. So yeah, anyway, George W. Bush would be dead. He'd be, he'd be cut in half. So I would give a katana situation to Bill. Um, and George, I would definitely, if, if it was say at a baseball game, if that's where they got into it, for whatever reason this may be, I would probably give it to George. Cause I think he clocked Bill Clinton in the head. Um, just, you know, dead on impact immediately fastball dead on impact. So that's a great question. And, uh, for the follow-up, as it was so rudely stated, if George and Laura teamed up against Bill and Hillary, who would win in that situation? Okay. So Washington DC, where, you know, at, at this time they're both, we're looking at these two in their presidency. So Washington DC is where both of them live. Um, that's in Virginia. So whoever wins of these two presidents, more than likely the woman in their lives are going to come out the losers from what we know about Virginia. Once again, I am strongly cautioning anyone who identifies as a woman to stay out of Virginia. We've uncovered some facts tonight that I feel I was shaky to even disclose because I know about the CIA operation that listens to this show. We've discussed this before in that, you know, so-called little town right outside of uh, Washington, DC. That's just where they shack up, where they get to discuss how to take me down and also find a way to be unkind to their significant other. You know, I'm on to you. So, you know, don't think I'm not, but yeah. So great, uh, question. And then you had the follow-up question, which, you know, we'll talk about it later, I guess. But uh, I appreciate you writing. Again, not calling. You're so silly. You're so crazy. I mean, when you think about calling, come on, just relax. Thank you so much for participating in Fan Corner. Now, we're going to have one more entry to Fan Corner today. If I don't get to you today, shut up. And this next one is from Christina of Gravos. Christina of Gravos says, uh, okay. Wow. I didn't even think an email could have this many words in it. Wow. I met my boyfriend on Bumble on the app. He listed his height as six foot zero. And being that my height filter was six foot and above, this was perfect for me. My boyfriend and I hit it off immediately. I would always tell him how much I love that he's six foot. I would call him my six foot soldier, my big, strong six foot orangutan, which let's just stop right there. Um, orangutans can maybe at their best in certain species of orangutan be up to six feet. That is, that is a stretch. That is a stretch goal that like the vast majority of orangutans would never, would never reach. So I can tell you're already fairly uneducated, but let's just keep going. Uh, I call him my big, strong six foot orangutan, stupid. 
and other things related to him being six foot. Recently, I came with him to a doctor's visit, and the doctor measured him at 5'11 and 3 fourths. It completely broke his heart and shattered his self-confidence. I couldn't even talk to him. He refused. My God, this is going on forever. He refuses to wear lifts or get surgery. He says that he has to have a natural growth spurt. The thing is, he's 32 years old. I couldn't stand to see him like this, so I began putting growth hormones in his food. Unfortunately, it turns out he was allergic to one of the active ingredients in the hormones and ended up getting really sick. I felt super guilty, so I told him what I did. His response was that once he gets his strength back, he's going to kill me. He never used to be violent like this. What can I do to help him feel like himself again? Okay, well, first of all, you lose email privileges for writing an email that long. You, I mean, I can only imagine what you're like at work. Um, let's just get this out here. Disclaimer. I am, I'm six foot five, 250 pounds of pure muscle from head to toe. You know, they're, they're, even in my own house, there are many door frames which are completely inaccessible to me, both height-wise and length-wise. So I have no f- uh, frame, <laughs> you know, of reference for what your, your little boy boyfriend is going through. But I do know from my assistance research on the subject that what he's experiencing is commonly known as a Napoleon complex, which is also known as manlet rage. You see, what's happening is that the weight of your boyfriend's lies have come crashing down upon him. And that squashed not only his frame, but his very soul. My honest advice is just leave him in his bed rest. You know, take his step stool with you. That way he's trapped up there forever. And, you know, he can't follow you. So, however, I do feel like you are not going to take that advice. Uh, you, you seem like too good a person to abandon your boyfriend. So I'm going to give you some, some worse advice that you're more likely to take. I guess you could try to convince your son that his life isn't over. You know, just because he can't ride the roller coasters doesn't mean he can't ride a ski lift. They let children on ski lifts. So just remember to strap him in extra tight so he doesn't slip out. And uh, yeah, relationship fixed. Life fixed, really. So we're fixing lives in Untitled Sessions, episode six. Thank you for all of you that wrote in for Fan Corner this week. Again, if I didn't get to you this week, shut the fuck up. But maybe I'll get to you next week. You know, depends on how I'm feeling. So what else is going on? I don't know. Is that a, I took one of my dogs to the vet the other day and... We stopped on the way back at Petco uh, because I wanted to give them a little special something for being a brave little dog. And, uh, you know, when I get treats or toys or whatever, I always have to, I have to get enough for both of them. So I got some toys. I got so I just spoiled, spoiled them effectively, which I always end up doing. Um, but yeah, I, I saw these, these cookies that were basically like these, uh, they were like Oreos. They were like black on one side, white on the other, you know, cream filling. And I go to pick out a pack of them and an employee working there walked up to me and was like, hi, oh, you thinking about those, huh? I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, they, they, you know, taste pretty good. I'm like, hmm. uh, oh yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of, you know, it's, they make them for dogs, but I mean, really they're, they're, I mean, they taste great. You know, you could eat them. You could eat them just just fine. There's no problem. I'm like, okay. Um, 
And he just, he kept going. He just kept, he was like, yeah, no, you know, most dog, most dog treats are like this. You could just uh, eat them. And honestly, you like, wouldn't tell the difference. Like they could be a dessert for anyone. And, you know, they're healthy too. He was saying, he was like, yeah, they're nutritious. You know, there's, it's, he knew what was in them too. I couldn't remember what he said, but he like knew the contents of the things and they didn't even have nutritional labels. Like they just, they didn't have an ingredient thing. It was just like a sleeve with just some paper over it. But yeah, this guy was like trying extraordinarily hard to sell me on the idea of eating dog treats. And, um, I, I haven't, I haven't had them yet. The dogs, the, the dogs love them, but I don't know. I think the thing is I look over to them and I think, yeah, no, he's probably right. It's like, they probably taste good. They're probably even probably a lot healthier than Oreos, but just like his enthusiasm about recommending that I eat dog treats was, it was very strong and it was off-putting in how strong it was. So I've been trying to wrap my head around what the point of that interaction was for the past couple of weeks or however long it's been. And I still, I, I don't really have an answer. So hopefully maybe you have an answer and you could explain to me why a man would be so possessed as to recommend me um, dog treats for myself. I don't know. Sound off in the comments. But yeah, what else? I mean, I've been trying to, I, somebody said that I was like very routine oriented, which is funny because I, I've never thought that, like I've, I've always felt I was very sporadic about the way I go about my day, but I kind of evaluated things. And I guess to an extent I, I, I follow a routine, but it's not a very strict routine. It's more just like beats of my day that I want to hit, you know, like I go to the, I go to the, well, I'm not going to tell you my routine. You guys are stalkers. You're going to kill me. And I truly believe that, you know, I truly believe you have a death wish out there for me. But, um, I was thinking, uh, just to be like a little bit harder to predict that I'm not going to, I'm going to stop telling people that I'm going to meet them somewhere at a certain time. I'm going to start giving them degrees. So I'm going to be like, yeah, I'll meet you at the restaurant when it's 45 degrees Fahrenheit. Like the, the forecast says that, you know, at, at 730, it's predicted to be 45 degrees. But if that time comes, if it's, you know, the forecast might say that at 730, it's going to be 45 degrees Fahrenheit. But if you're there at 730 and it's instead 44 degrees Fahrenheit, I'm not going to show up. I might even, maybe I'll be in my car like a block away, just looking at the real time weather report, just like waiting for it to change before I drive up. But I'm not showing up until it's 45 degrees Fahrenheit. You know, I feel like you could plan a lot of things like that. You could do long-term things too. Like um, you could tell someone, yeah, uh, yeah, meet me on the first 90 degree weather day, right? So they're thinking, okay, sometime in the summer. Yeah, yeah, you know, sometime in the summer but you don't know when. And it's possible that depending on where you live, you may not even ever touch 90 degrees ever. So maybe for that year, you don't see, you don't see me. I'm not there. So I'm thinking about adding that into my movement abstraction toolkit as a way to improve my life. Because I think that despite how it may sound, there's a lot to be gained from giving people a temperature rather than a time of day. I mean, time of day is fake. Time of day is antiquated. It doesn't even make any sense. Like, what is daylight savings time? Everybody says, oh, yeah, turn your clocks back one hour. No, 
It's like, no, 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 but you got to do it. We're all turning our clocks back one hour. No, I'm not going to give in to social pressure. Oh, oh, everybody's doing it. Jump off a bridge. Why don't you? It's not like, I'm not, I'm not urging people to kill themselves. I'm saying like the whole, you know what I mean? Like the whole jumping off a, off of a bridge statement. Why don't you all jump off a bridge at 6 p.m.? Oh, when's that? Mm, I don't know because, oh, is it daylight savings? Oh, I didn't get the memo. So I jumped off at 7 p.m. Everybody had already jumped off by the time that I jumped off. Oh, I guess I'm late to the party again, right? Because I don't, I don't conform to your standard of what time is. Look, the Mayans, who are like the godfathers of time, they predicted that the world would end in 2012. And I don't think it did. But I need to have my assistant research that before I make any concrete statements. That was a jelly statement. We're not going concrete with that one. In the next episode, we'll get a concrete answer on whether or not the world ended. But um, other than that, uh, I guess I could talk about my day a little bit. So I've been waking up earlier because I'm preparing to start work for the company that I accepted an offer for, which I'm very excited. So I've been waking up earlier to try to acclimate myself to a more consistent schedule. And um, I found that when I wake up earlier, I can go to this restaurant near me that is primarily occupied by, um, I don't want to use the word racist because I have no proof, but old racist people. Now, hear me out. The food is very good and it's cheap, like really cheap for nowadays. Like I, I honestly think that on principle, they haven't raised prices in many, many years just because they're like old school, but they're probably not making any money. Um, so shout out to them. Uh, Again, I don't want to use the word racist, but at this place that's infested by old racist, I happen to be the only sub 50 year old in the entire restaurant this morning, which was a great feeling. And, you know, everybody was chattering along about things that I'm sure aren't racist or prejudiced or, you know, old fashioned at all. I kind of felt a little bit out of place. Um, I mean, it's pretty obvious that I'm more not to conflate conservatism with racism, but I'm more liberal. Um, so I didn't relate to the conversations of these militant theoretical racists. So for me, I wanted to think about how I could better fit in with this crowd without having to convert to being a fully registered Republican, right? So I thought that it would be interesting if I made a shirt and the shirt, it, it's like a text shirt. So it just says some words and it says, Hillary Rodham Clinton, question mark. And on the back, there can be like more question marks. So like question, question mark. Um, so it's not even like, I'm not saying anything about Hillary Rodham Clinton. I'm just asking Hillary Rodham Clinton. And I figure I could probably start some interesting conversations with some of the, um, the radicals that uh, dine at this place just on the basis of my shirt. I may even be able to start some political debate because really I'm, I'm not, I'm not being positive or negative about her. I'm just asking Hillary Rodham Clinton. What is that? Who is she? And I feel like there are people that would actually, you know, they would come up to me and they would explain to me exactly who she is in their own words, which would, I think if you really want to make friends with, with, with old people, you have to not talk at all. You just listen to what they have to say. So I think I could really easily 
accomplish a friendship with these insane alt writers. You know, like, hey, what do you think? Oh, oh, she's a, you know, nice lady. She uh, she passes laws. She was a secretary. And she was the first lady to Bill Clinton, who won heroically in the sword fight with George Bush, but died tragically in the baseball fight. You know, and I would say, oh, that's so interesting. I didn't know that little tidbit of history. You know, and then I would have another person come up to me and say, oh, I don't know if you know this, but um, she is a lizard. She's a lizard uh, individual. She's cold lizard blood and eats children. I don't know if you knew that. And I would again say, wow, wow, I had no idea. It's so great to learn things from old people, the things we learn from our ancestors. So I'm really looking forward to designing that shirt. And if you see me in public wearing the shirt, first of all, no, you didn't. And second of all, that's not me. It's just a, it's a fan of the show. It's definitely not me. There's no way it could be me. You wouldn't even recognize me. I don't even look, I, I look nothing like how you think I look. Let me guess. Uh, you think I look like a guy who takes a lot of shit, takes a lot of requests from management, for example. Newsflash, never done that. I, I don't even, I don't even talk to my management. They give me a request and sometimes I, you know, well, it, the, the, the subjects that we, that they choose will maybe sometimes coincide with the things that I talk about, but it has nothing to do with me taking orders. It's more like we have kind of a, um, homeopathic alignment. And that's an astrology thing, which I, I guarantee you would know nothing about, but I know loads about. So, you know, stop messing with me. Don't assume you know me. Don't assume you know a dang thing about me because you might be surprised. Well, I am getting hungry. Truth be told, the portions at the old racist breakfast eatery are kind of in line with the price. Um, but the food is good. But I, 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 am, I am now hungry for, uh, for dinner. You know, we used to call out the, um, the time that we would be recording. And I always thought it was fun to do, you know, set the stage a little bit. So right now it is, um, I'm predicting, based on the angle of the sun in the sky, 5.27 p.m. Does that sound accurate? Editor here. It's not accurate. Who knows? You won't know. Nobody will actually know, except for me, when I check later. And if that's not the right time, then the editor can just edit in the right time. I refuse. So really, there's no way that I lose on this gambit, which is good. I love making gambits in which I cannot lose. So, Untitled 6, episode session, over. <laughs>